you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com the Around the NFL podcast deserves to park in talent-only spaces. Damn right. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. What a day. What a day. <laughs> Chris Wessling was just commenting on the way up here how the, the football was superior on Sunday of week three. Too superior to week two, yes. Mm. So, okay on balance, but much better than the sloppy play of week two of the NFL. And the sloppy officiating of week okay. two of the NFL. Okay. You went through a, a lot on Game Pass last week. I could tell it took something out of you. It you, took, yeah, it, it really increased my sleep. <laughs> Well, Put me to sleep to sell it. all last week. Um, I'm, I'm I'm falling asleep because it is 89 degrees in the studio today. They actually turned the heat up from Thursday's show. So this is about survival, this episode <laughs> of the Around the NFL podcast. Also, pulling back the curtain a little bit, this is a first in the history of the show, and we've done about 1,000 episodes. The Cleveland Browns are playing on Sunday Night Football as we go through these games. And, uh, Mark, how, how are you doing? I mean, I, number one, let's – Start it right here. I'm a raging professional. My focus is on the show and interacting with my you about is helping me. That too. <laughs> that too. I, you know, my eye, my eye will turn towards the game when we're finished with our jobs here. Our wow. jobs are uh, the primary responsibility. I'm really impressed by that answer. Really impressed. It's mostly true. But you're also part of the Ramily now. You've <laughs> locked up the Rams and you're rooting for the fighting Jared Goffs. It's well, a that's that. complicated like look into Mark's soul <laughs> this game. So, that will be going on as we go through every game that was played uh in Sunday of week 3. Um you guys want to get into it? I I Please. I kind of stacked it at the top of the show in order of all the undefeated teams. So, we're going to go through all the teams that are entering week 3 or entered week 3 at 2 and 0 and see how they fare. Let's get going with uh the marquee matchup of 2-0 teams, the Baltimore Ravens at Arrowhead against the Chiefs. Mahomes, right foot in front of the left. 
Mahomes pump faking. He's going to throw a screen right. Darrell Williams with the block. He's at the 40-45 at midfield. First down, Kansas City. Goodbye, Baltimore Ravens. Goodbye at 139 to go in the game. A screen pass of 16 yards dialed up by Big Red and executed perfectly by the NFL MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Mitch Holtis of the Chiefs Radio Network with the call. It was his version of the hay is in the barn. Mm. Go home, Baltimore Ravens, because you just got banged. Patrick Mahomes iced the game with that completion to Darrell Williams. Darrell? Darrell. Darrell Williams, the final pass, and another brilliant afternoon for the reigning MVP, who threw for 374 and three touchdowns and a 33-28 win over the Ravens, who fall to 2-1. Chiefs now 3-0, and their quarterback might actually be better than he was a year ago. Think about that. One of the best seasons of all time. And Mahomes is just playing the game at a level that no one else is sniffing. Uh, the Ravens, Greg, the Ravens get a lollipop here. I know you were watching this game uh, in the cubicle. I could hear you hemming and hawing and, and, and honking about your boy Lamar. Like, I don't care what the draft or the assignment says. I'm watching Lamar. We know. We, you Mahomes. made that evidently clear to You're us. You're the bad boy of NFL media. The Ravens get a lollipop for hanging around in this game, but it never really felt in doubt. This was another day for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, so keep rolling. I'm taking that lollipop away. They were lucky oh. to have the final score be this close. The defense, which talked a good game before uh, this matchup in terms of Earl Thomas saying they weren't going to give up big plays, really didn't provide much resistance. The Earl Thomas was victimized on a play where you could see Andy Reid saw a tendency where Earl Thomas was going to jump a, a route of Sammy Watkins in the slot. They went over the top for um, Michael Hardman, Michael Hardman for 83 yards. There was no pass rush. I felt like more than any game, obviously this season, you could really see them missing Terrell Suggs and Zadarius Smith because mm. Patrick Mahomes had all day back there. Even though he didn't have his left tackle, he had plenty of time, and I, I felt like they could have put up a 40-burger or more if things had gone a little differently. I mean, it's it's 9.6 yards per pass for Mahomes, and you mentioned like how he has improved markedly, visibly on the field. And we mentioned on Sky Sports that they talked all offseason how he's more comfortable in the offense. And a lot of times I read that stuff and I say, I don't I simply don't really care about those kind of assessments in, you know, mid-July or late June. But he looks that much more at home. And they don't, like, Tyreek Hill is not in the lineup. Right. And you can't even tell the difference. They have an absolute embarrassment of wep- big play weapons. By the end of last year, it was a one-horse race for MVP. And I think he's widened the gap between first and second place in the first three games this year. The difference is there was some anticipation throws on, on third down where he's letting go of the ball well before the receiver makes his break. There was just recognition of where the blitzes were coming from, where he just knew where his hot read was and they just had solutions. But the thing I really liked today was he was getting on his offensive lineman. He got on uh, Big Red Andy Reid for blowing uh, the, the clock situation, wanting it to be fixed. He he just seems like he has such command that he's not afraid now to call some people out. And he is just like a master of what is happening. And the Ravens, I think they could have played this game 10 times and the Ravens just weren't up to snuff uh, to compete in this one. They were missing Eric Fisher, their left tackle, Tyreek Hill, as we mentioned, Damian Williams, their starting running back, and it just doesn't seem to matter. LaShawn McCoy sat out the fourth quarter with his injury. He re-injured his ankle. Hmm. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, this is the first game 
Uh, and you knew this game would eventually come, and there's no reason to look too much into it and see it as a, a major issue going forward. But Lamar Jackson for three quarters kind of looked like the Lamar Jackson who struggled at times during his rookie year, uh, missing on passes, maybe not seeing the field uh, the way you need him to, certainly to stay in a game against the Chiefs, Greg. They, he missed a lot of deep throws. I mean, there were opportunities to stay in this game. I don't think it was an incredible Chiefs defensive performance. I can think of three or four down the field where he had open receivers. He missed it. I think it was three for 12 on throws over 20 yards. So they were daring him to go deep. The running game was good. Ingram was amazing. Lamar ended up getting some uh, good runs in the second half. Gus Edwards did pretty well, but he just didn't deliver. I think it's the toughest stadium to go into and play in the league right now. And I, I, I don't worry about the Ravens at all because I just think that they're still so well put together. And Ingram, to your point, it was the perfect free agent for the right for this team. And he's fit in. So I think he could have gone somewhere else and we wouldn't be talking about him week to week. He fits perfectly on the Ravens. And I think they'll bounce back big time on that from this. And they'll probably meet again. I, I, My dog, Mark, with a C. <laughs> Earl Thomas said that he, he expects them to meet again after the game. The only thing in this AFC, though, where it looks awfully similar to last year in the beginning, you know, those losses for the Chiefs and the Patriots, they, there might not be that many of them. So they're already, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're already thinking about getting a bye in the playoffs. Before we move on, I want to call attention to one other aspect of the game that I found very interesting. John Harbaugh coached an ultra-aggressive game, one of the more aggressively coached games I've ever seen. And I don't necessarily mean that as a compliment. I find it, um, you know, I, I, call, I, I find it, you know, hanging the onions that way. That's respectable. Uh, but they went for it on fourth down four times, and they went for three for four in that uh, situation. They attempted three two-point conversions, failed all three. Uh, and when you, it's a five-point loss, and, and it makes you wonder. It felt to me that he was, some, he was somehow – uh, trusted his offense too much and maybe not enough uh, at the same time. Here's the comments from Harbaugh because the reporters were questioning his strategy after the game. And we, we had a mindset that we were going to come in and we were going to try to score as many points as we could. So that's what we tried to do, you know. And I know, I know we all felt the same way. You know, Lamar felt the same way. We all did. We're, we're, we're going to keep playing that way just for the record. So mm. when you write your article, just understand that we'll disagree you with your criticisms. <laughs> You know, we're going after it. That's the way we're going to play all year. So. Wes, that's the Mahomes effect. It is. You're psyched out a little bit knowing that you have to keep up with the Chiefs. And they did. They had to keep up. So. Right. They forced two punts. The Chiefs scored seven out of nine trips. That, that, didn't end, that didn't end the game. So he was right. They had to score. I like the aggressiveness. I mean, it's not always going to work to a T. It was pretty wild. That's one of the best coaches in the league. We've been saying that for a long time. All right. Another undefeated team. They reside in western New York. To Orchard Park we go. And Allen's ready to go. Out of the gun. Again, three receivers lined up right side. There's the snap. Josh looks left. Fires left. Got a man wide open. It is caught by Dawson Knox out of midfield on the run. Gets past one man. Trying to get past another man. Pulls him down and he is finally knocked out of bounds at the Cincinnati 24-yard line. Dawson Knox running after the catch. Knocking down Bengals along the way. What a huge play that was. John Murphy, Bills Radio Network with the call. Yes, tight end Dawson Knox took a Josh Allen pass and turned into an evolutionary Gronk. His 49-yard catch and run set up a Frank Gore touchdown. That was the difference in a 21-17 win over the Bengals in Rowdy Orchard Park. The victory moves the Bills to 3-0 and sets them up for a huge Week 4 showdown against the undefeated Patriots. Mark, uh, consider this Bills comeback another leap forward for Josh Allen, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, they're not a fluke. You know, you get some of these teams that roll to these early nice records and you have to look a little deeper and wonder what they really are. What the Bills, though, are not is an explosive big play offense. They had 15 first downs before the Bengals had their first and it, it looked that way, but they had a lead of 16 nothing. I mean, you, they're going to need to find a way to pile up points and find some more explosion. I still think John Brown, Cole Beasley were perfect fits for Josh Allen. Josh Allen is going to continue to push the ball downfield. He made a bad interstate a bad pick in this game, but they they you know the they were patient enough for the to wait for the Bengals to make a killer mistake of their own with a Dalton interception. Uh, but they, to me, with Buffalo, I, I give them a shot against New England. I really do because of their defense. They just they're going to hang around with teams uh, that are superior to them because of what they can do on defense. They make life very uncomfortable for Cincinnati's attack. The step forward for the. Um, Josh Allen ex- experience came with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So the uh, Buffalo had a 14-zip lead in this game, and Cincinnati scored 17 unanswered, and that was set up perfectly. We've talked about it in real time, Mark, down in the newsroom. Uh, here's Josh Allen, takes over. He has plenty of time. They had timeouts, and what he has to do now is show us that he can go get the lead back. And, Wes, he did it with ease. They marched down the field and scored. You still don't know what you're getting We week to week from Josh Allen and that's to me that's the reason why the Patriots are going to be the heavy favorites next week Mark's right that their defense the Bills defense gives them a chance and when the, when they did finally take the lead this is when you know Dan was saying this is a great progress check for Josh Allen and then they took the lead and Mark said let's see if Andy Dalton has anything in his human body at this point you really thought it was like <laughs> After years, Andy Dalton, please show me something with the game on the line. Yeah, and he and he threw an interception. When the, you know what? It's to me. You, you go zero and three. You look. We're talking about AFC teams in the Ravens and the Patriots and the Chiefs, who are looking simply unstoppable. And the Bengals have had as bad of a start to the season as they could have imagined. After I thought a really frisky performance in Week One, they had a chance to win this game, and all would have required was the offense to do their part, and they couldn't. It's a tough ask against Buffalo's defense. But for me, I just want to see a few more. Like Dawson Knox, they've compared him to Jeremy Shockey. He is an interesting wow. player. I don't know if I'd call him Jeremy Shockey. Off the field as well? Uh, not sure about the off-the-field yeah. elements. But Josh Allen did respond. Hey, that's a game-winning touchdown in a Super Bowl, Jeremy Shockey, for you. Get, you slept, get slept on sometimes. I like this Bills. They're fun. Like, it's just the league needs more. Even if they're not a Super Bowl-type team, it's impossible not to enjoy how well they're coached and how they've lived up to any sort of offseason. They were getting a little buzz in the offseason, and they could have gone one and two, and we'd be, forget about them. It's the opposite. I just want to know what Andy Dalton did to poor Mark. I mean, what he said on air is very professional, just like he said going into this show. But the invective sent <laughs> well, towards Dalton about the, the status, and, it, you know, it was, I felt him bad. a villain on uh, I, I, international I felt television. bad for his family. Well, it's just the same old story from Andy Dalton. And Bengals fans can come at me. They're all upset that we're too negative about them, but it's the same narrative over and over. And you don't watch. You know who he what, is, though. It's well, a different yeah, narrative. Yeah, but that's so do the Bengals. And so the like, it, this is who you've invested in. You're, you're, you're going to get these. You're games. missing your offensive lineman. You're, there's a lot. Of, we do know who he is, and they're like, number the, one receiver. He, he, he's yeah. good enough. At the this time last year, we were talking about how he won three straight fourth quarter comebacks, and they, that's why they started three and one. He was super clutch. Well, there's because he had a good team around. There's him. little pockets like that from Andy right. Dalton, but it's just I, I don't know how. What, if I had Holly Hobby at backup, I might throw her in to see what could happen in a game. Just maybe something different. All right, let's. Uh, I don't know who that is. Who's Holly Hobby? It's like a child's doll. 
Oh. Typically a girl's doll. A boy could have the doll too, from what I understand. I don't know why you're making eye contact with me. Like I'm I don't know. Did you have a hobby, hobby doll? I, I, I did not. So. Is that a real thing? I don't know yes, if it's, it's still around, thing. is it? I mean, it was it was a it was a thriving uh, article, a toy back in the day. Jeremy Shockey, the <laughs> touchdown for the Saints was it with the Saints? Yes, that was. He, they had the go ahead touchdown. Uh, he had the go ahead touchdown when they beat the Colts. Okay, thank you very much. All right, uh, we mentioned the New England Patriots, uh, who have the big matchup against the Bills, but first they had to take care of business against a downtrodden AFC East quote unquote rival. On to the throne of sleaze. Michelle, the single back, first and ten from the twenty-five. The ball on the right hash. Izzo motions tight, stands up on it's the hot right wing. Brady under center, turns with a play fake to Michelle. Quick throw down oh. the middle, wide open door. Set at the ten, right to the five, scooting in for the score. Touchdown, Patriots! Uh, that's Bob Sochi of the Patriots Radio Network. We don't need to hear from you, Zolak, this week. Zolak, what a disgrace last week. Oh, hey kid, hey kid, Antonio Brown, welcome to the neighborhood, kid. <laughs> Grow up. Tom Brady good, threw good a pair of touchdown passes, including that connection with Philip Dorsett, and the Pats didn't allow an offensive touchdown for the third straight week in a 30-14 win over the hapless New York football Jets. Uh, it was business as usual for the Patriots, who rolled to 3-0 two days after their misguided, uncouth Antonio Brown experiment ended with the wide receiver's release. Uh, as expected, this wasn't much of a game. Um, you even give the Jets credit for at least keeping it from turning into a disaster, at least their defense. The Jets' offense is as lost as an offense can be right now. They had about 100 total yards in this game. Both their scores, one was on a muffed punt, uh, and the other was a pick six by Jamal Adams. I'm just happy Jamal Adams had something to be happy about. Uh, that's where I'm at right now. They go into their bye at 0-3 and, and hope to have Sam Darnold back in Week 5 against the Eagles where they can – um, kind of regroup. As for the Patriots, um, very much uh, business as usual. They they are limited right now on offense a little bit because they have the injuries on the offensive line. As we said, Antonio Brown is no longer in the picture. Um, Julian Edelman leaves this game with a chest injury. I believe they did tests and it's not believed. It sounds be like he's oh, going to be okay. Anything too serious, uh, but that's where they are right now. They didn't really uh, move the ball too well on the ground. Uh, Brady started off red hot, cooled off as things went along, but at that point the game was already well in hand, so the Patriots take care of business. They're going to evolve. Right now they're much different than last year where I think Brady is playing lights out and the rest of the offense isn't quite there yet. But he's played – he played – this three-game stretch I think was better and certainly the, the schedule has helped, but better than any three-game stretch of his personal uh, – performance during last regular season. They also gave up 105 yards in this game, which was the lowest in the Bill Belichick era. So their defense, it'll be fun to watch them against some, you know, they're going to play much better competition. But right now, Jamie Collins has been such a huge addition for what they do. I mean, a year ago, Jamie Collins whispers were that he was not even trying playing for the Browns. So I don't know. Obviously, they flipped the switch on him. Big surprise. But they're up 200 (laughs) yards to eight heading into the second quarter against the Jets. And I, I, you know, it's easy to pile on the Jets, but it's the kind of season with the way that it's going right now that, yes, I realize you don't have Darnold in there, but it's been about as concerning a six-day stretch as you could imagine for a team. And, and, and with the way that, depending on how this plays out, I wonder if Adam Gase gets a second season unless they, unless they, they start to do what 
you'd think that they hired him to do. I mean, the offense is devolving, and you worry about a guy like Le'Veon Bell long, just long, long over you. I know. I'm not tr- again, not trying to pile on, but I mean, Dan, am I wrong? I feel it's concerning that like it couldn't have gone worse. Obviously, the first three games of the season. However, he's not all to blame. The offensive line, which he didn't put together, has been worse than expected. They started their third starting quarterback in three weeks. Luke Falk is not an NFL player. And there's nothing. If you go to New England, the best defense in the league, with a quarterback that's not an NFL quarterback, there's no way you're going to move the ball. That's what happened. Now, I don't want to let Gase off the hook because, in addition to the offensive line being wretched and the quarterback position being uh, a travesty and a horrible situation for the franchise, the play calling's been bad. But I don't know how much to put into that because what are you supposed to do when you have this type of setup? So basically, you hit the dynamite, you push down on the on the lever, everything explodes. Your season as a contender, quote unquote, is over. You hope to get Darnold back, and then I really think. Gase gets a chance to say, I'm not a joke. I'm not the problem here. Um, but I think the pressure is on him as soon as they get out of this bye to show something on offense and getting Darnold back would be a big lift for, toward that goal. Patriots opponents are 0-9 this year. Right. I don't think they've been tested for two straight weeks. You can't take anything really out of these games. Um, I've been really disheartened by Bill Belichick, and I've lost so much respect for him in the last two or three weeks. Um, the guy whose mantra is do your job treats these press conferences and interviews like a child, like an absolute child who will not take any responsibility, who will not answer why they signed Antonio Brown, who will not answer why they released Antonio Brown, just handles it like an absolute child having a fit. And you won't explain why you did this. I just, I have no respect left for him. Yeah, the the interview, I think probably that setting off with Dana Jacobson before the game, it was tough to watch him staring staring her down. The the timing of the release, you know, they they clearly made a smart move to get rid of him based on, you know, what's happened even since he joined the team. I, I believe that the leak, which was self-serving, that they did not know the allegations that were about to happen one day after they signed him. Because, of course, why, why you would not sign a person and give them that sort of money a day before that's going to drop. But the process they went through after that fact uh, to, to have him active last week was really strange. And it does sound like the, the text or the DMs that Brown sent to his accuser of the Bobby Klemko story, great journalism by Robert Klemko, was basically what got him cut from the Patriots because that happened when he was on. It was a little gross just to see everyone from Tom Brady on cozy up to him the way they did after they knew what was out there. And There are a lot of Patriots fans who, I'm sure you've heard the same, are glad he's not on the team anymore. I don't think everyone can be put in the same bundle. Of course. I would would assume most are relieved. I mean... and it's not Bobby like Bobby Klemko said journalists is just doing his job is also getting doxxed on the internet for what it's worth uh, for outing Brown for his creep behavior. But and by the well, way, I put Philip Dorsett on the field. This guy gets better each and every week. You, you don't need Antonio Brown. The the thing with Belichick with the press conferences, the Jacobson thing was just uncalled for, and I don't know what he was going for there. Uh, but the fact that he would he walked off from his last press press conference that came shortly before the release, it's as if he believed that because he's Bill Belichick and because they're the Patriots, 
he wouldn't have to be answering these type of questions, which should have been a foregone conclusion if you bring this man into your building. That becomes part of your experience as head coach and your organization. It almost felt like he thought he was above that, but you weren't, Bill. Do and, your job. and and Which is, the, I think, one of the reasons they cut him is him having to deal with The that, Patriots you know? are okay. They're a great team. They're 3-0. and They're steaming towards January again. Uh, but this was not a good look for the organization. I don't care if they didn't get – they don't get hit in the wallet on it. It looks like they'll be able to get out of the contract uh, and they'll move on because they're so good at moving on. But this, I believe, was a black well, eye for the And Patriots. one quick thing. I mean, Belichick gets too much of a free pass for treating the media this way because if another coach who hadn't won as much as he had treated reporters this way, it would be a major story. I mean, you can't get away with that dismissive behavior, but because it's Bill Belichick, it's part of – it's baked into his charm, I guess, to some that he dismisses the press this way. It's a joke to most. And it's on the not, new, though. And on the Antonio Brown front, he then fires off an array of tweets on Sunday morning, taking um, shots at a bunch of people, including Robert Kraft, um, uh, a reference to his uh, prostitution arrest, also um, Ben Roethlisberger's uh, past issues uh, with women, um, basically hitting out and then challenging uh, I guess the players' association to fight for me because they teams shouldn't be able to take away my guaranteed money. Well, nobody's playing the violin for you. No, and then deleted business because, ain't boom because his because his agent probably is like you are taking money out of <laughs> no no phone. one would be screen capturing those tweets. You're fine by tweeting but deleting them. All right, let us Clear. move on another undefeated team, the Green Bay Packers. Slot to the left side. They stack those two receivers. Devontae to tail to the tandem. From the 40, jumping into the neutral zone. Rodgers has a free player, so it appears. Rainbow's deep down the Got middle. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, yes. touchdown Green Bay! 40-yard bomb, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The great Wayne Larravee for the Packers Radio Network with the call. Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things. Rodgers drew the Broncos offsides, then delivered a 40-yard touchdown strike to MVS. 2019 breakout candidate. The Packers, a 27-16 win at Lambeau. Green Bay moves to 3-0 under rookie head coach Matt LeFleur. Matt the Flower, do we call him? I do. I don't I don't demand that you do, but I'm glad that you are. I like it. The Broncos fall to 0-3 under their rookie head coach. I don't need help with this one. The Fangio. Wes, give us a progress update on the Packers offense three weeks in and three victories in. Packers offense is still feast or famine. It really depends, just as it has the last couple of years, whether Aaron Rodgers is hitting these big plays or just missing these big plays. This was a dominant ball control attack for the Broncos. Dominated time of possession. But when you play that style to try to keep the Packers off the field, you can't turn it over three times. And Noah Fant, the rookie tight end, who looks like he's going to have a really good career, has been one of the most mistake-prone players in the NFL for Mm. the first three weeks of the season. He had a really bad fumble in which Jair Alexander stripped the ball. And speaking of Alexander, the the story of this game is the Packers' defense, Mm. specifically the offseason that Brian Gutekunst had, the draft draft that he had last year, taking Jair Alexander in the first round. This year he comes back with Rashawn Gary, who got his first career sack and also had a fumble recovery. Darnell Savage, who we've pointed out, has been great so far. He had a diving interception in this game. Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith combined for five sacks today. What? They're big free agent acquisitions. Guti. Guti is he's having like that Bruce Arians out in the parking lot. Let's get let's get the uh, pickup truck out and, and beers and let's just celebrate. He's doing like the Michael Jordan shoulder shrug. 
yeah. as he walks to the office. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. 36 run- rushes for their, the Broncos running back. Oh, yeah. Soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Philip Lindsay. Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever, like... Philip Lindsay's best game of the year. Royce Freeman lost an 18-yard touchdown to a bad holding penalty on Emmanuel Sanders. Just a really bad call by the refs on that one. It took a touchdown off the board, and then Flacco ultimately got sacked on third down in that series. Mm. Flacco, you know, I don't think he was the primary problem in this game. The the concentration should be on their defense, not on their offense. They don't have a sack or a takeaway in three Still? games. They do not. Have- Shaq Barrett has eight sacks. He was on the roster last year. This team has zero. Oh, they, they almost had a Golston today, and it was one QB hit for the whole team. And the last two weeks, everyone's saying, well, the, the quarterback's getting their, the ball out of their hands quickly. That's not happening when it's Aaron Rodgers. The passer just, for whatever reason, isn't getting there. Uh, but you know what did get there? That Goody music. I mean, just the tip to the guys and girls out there. Like, if you're if your significant other, you know, is it in the mood? You know, if you're trying to get them in the mood, just kind of things aren't going well. Put this on and just watch the magic fly. And this is Brian Gutekunst, by the way. Yes, yes. Well, before he got into football, this was his his trade. He was a hardcore German yeah. rapper. I, if I'm a Broncos fan, I don't know. Maybe. Well, talk to Wes. Maybe turn this right. this experience off and check back in in 2020. I don't well, need uh, 13 more games of Joe Flacco. I don't. I know it's not all Joe Flacco's issues, but there's just an. Uh, I can't imagine you can't drop a more uninspiring scenario to, to this season. To your point, your criticism or the idea that Adam Adam Gase should be criticized, which I think is totally fair. Isn't Fangio the d- defensive version of that? This guy has a, a, a well-earned reputation as a defensive mastermind. The fact that he would take over as a head coach, and Greg, you mentioned a couple weeks ago the difference between going from upstairs to down on the sideline and how that changes a lot about how you do your job on game days. Maybe that'll be a story coming up. I mean, this to have no sacks to be this ineffective on defense. With that talent. You can imagine makes how you, frustrating yeah, it is. The margin for error is so small. You know, they did move the ball much better than the Bears last week, and they lost in that killer fashion. They did move the ball and, and, and hold it much better they than the Packers the on the road, but And they moved the ball matter. in the second half better than the Raiders in the season opener. They have looked good for spurts, but not overall. And what did Emmanuel Sanders say after the game? We're in a world of suck right now? Mm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ah! <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I'm in a world of pain and the heat in the studio. This it is ridiculous. uncomfortable, but we are forging on. We are a, a, a $13 billion company. I mean, it doesn't help that if Ricky, you're I'm, off all camera. All right, let's go to let's the go, next Ricky. game. You know, off camera, there is like asbestos falling from the ceiling <laughs> on us too. So I'm not even sure we're going to get to the end 13 of 13 billion. The next game, please. It's second down eight. <laughs> At the Miami 19, in the gun. Elliott goes out in the pattern to the right. He throws it down to the goal line. A perfect strike to Amari Cooper. Touchdowns today for Amari Cooper, and that was a perfect 19-yard strike from Prescott, 19-19. to We've heard a lot from him early on this season. He's Brad Sham, the sham god of KRLD. Dak Prescott threw two touchdown passes to Amari Cooper. He also ran for a score, and the Cowboys, they righted themselves after a sluggish start, knocking off the Dolphins 31-6. to Mark, if Miami executes better in this game... We might actually have something approaching an athletic contest in the second half, but they did not execute. And, uh, 
you know, the desert people who set that really big number, they were right. I think Dak Prescott has raised the bar on his own performance that what we saw today, people were panicking a little bit and concerned about where he was at halftime. But a year ago, it would have been sort of every game we expect from Dak Prescott. They were fine. I, I, I think, you know, Miami's going to not lose every single contest 50 to nothing. Uh, the Cowboys were a little sluggish, but they had 200-yard rushers in this game and dominated by the end. Wouldn't be concerned if I'm Dallas overall. It, to me, you, you just, I don't know what to take from these Dolphins games. How do you self-scout when you go out and win 31 to 6? It was not... Dallas's best performance by any stretch of the imagination. But <laughs> they won by 25. Well, it's exactly. An NFL game. Exactly. I mean, similar it's... to the Jets and Pats, like, did the Cowboys come out of this game healthy? They got the win. We knew that was going to happen. Are they okay health wise as they yeah. move forward? Well, yeah, I think they're fine. I mean, it's they took care of stuff. business. I, I don't know. The Dolphins, to me, we've already discussed them at length, but I don't know how you keep this, this locker room engaged because. You're, you're, we're trying. To, they had a, the, the sunniest half they've had all year. They were down ten to six after two quarters. Right, they were they were up on the Cowboys about fifty total yards. They had two hundred and ten yards. Josh Rosen did give them a spark. It sounds like in the first half. Yeah, and then and Kenyon Drake fumbled inside the ten right as the first Not half was Drake. ending, and then that would seem to be it. Let's put this tank job in perspective. Since nineteen fifty, more than half the NFL teams have been added to the league, starting from scratch as expansion teams. Since 1950, no defense has allowed more than 133 points that the Dolphins have allowed in the first three games of the season. Since 1950, no team has had a worse point differential than the Dolphins, minus 117. Since 1950, only one team has had a worse yards differential than the Dolphins, minus 831. And the top four of that list is three expansion teams and the 2019 Miami Dolphins. This is worse than an expansion team. Mm, Can't happen. Didn't have to be. Um, the Dallas running game, Zeke, who still seems to be getting warmed up, 19 for 125. Tony Pollard, this guy can play 13 for 103 in a touch. They had 235 yards on the ground. I think that's great for them. I mean, we, we could see Tony Pollard in the preseason looking like a special player and someone that was going to have a role. And I love how they're using him. He had 13 carries today. Elliott had 19. They got right. playmakers coming out of their ears. Let us move on. Five seconds on the play clock. Quick snap. Garoppolo throws end zone. It is caught by Dante Pettis. <laughs> Greg Papa, the Papa Bear. <laughs> and that was uh, Tim Ryan. Cackle. Just cackling in, in happiness and confusion. 49ers, 49ers Radio Network. Jimmy G threw a five-yard touchdown pass to Dante Pettis with 115 to play. And the Niners overcame five turnovers, including, I believe, three in their red zone, in the red zone, to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-20. to um, For the Niners, it is their first 3-0 start in, uh, in 21 years. And um, and for the Steelers, they're 0-3. And talked about it on Thursday's show, this felt like the type of game uh, that Pittsburgh circles the wagons, as they say, in the Mike Tomlin era and find it, finds a way to win. And Chris Wessling, I'm going to set you up on this one because you had a good point on Twitter. First of all, good job with the good point. It happened yeah, sometimes. I'm, I'm not sure what it is yet. <laughs> On Twitter. Way to go. When they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, who, by the way, had a big role in this game. He had an interception. I believe he forced a fumble as well. 
um, it led to a lot of discussion about how many first and high round picks on defense the Steelers have. And Keith Butler, their defensive coordinator, you pointed out, hey, Keith, better make this work now. Well, twice after a slow start by Mason Rudolph, in which he couldn't really get anything going on in the first half and he looked lost, uh, he connects on a catch-and-run touchdown with Juju Smith-Schuster that covers about 90 yards. Uh, That puts him ahead, and immediately the Steelers' defense coughs it up. Then Rudolph does it again. He takes the Steelers down the field, puts them back in the lead in the fourth quarter, and at that point, the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense needs to win that game and take it home, but they didn't. Jimmy G, and credit to the Niners, go down the field and then 3-0, and there's a lot of good reason for optimism in San Francisco. But that stunned me that Pittsburgh, in a cornered animal game with their season on their line, could not find a way to take that game home. They have shown, the Steelers have shown flashes of dominance on defense this year for quarters at a time. But as Greg has pointed out, it's only for quarters at a time. And the second halves of games, you're not stopping anybody. And from what I've seen, it's mostly the secondary. I want to see how well Minka played. Supposedly he was making big plays today, but they're still allowing too many big plays on their defense. So I I really want to see that. But you're right. They have way too much talent on this defense, and this is an organization that does not give up first-round mm. picks. They will not have a first-round pick next year for the first time since 1968. Well, the pressure's on. you got to win games or else that pick's going to be in the top five yep. or six. I think Devin Bush and Mark Barron, who we talked about going into this game, they Bush, struck, he they, has two fumble recoveries today. But. They, they struggled and covered just in terms of the PFF score were, were big-time liabilities. Again, Barron, Barron's kind of killing them. The story, though, just looking at this from afar, is that the 49ers do have a defense. And I know they're playing Mason Rudolph in a struggling offense, but the 49ers had the type of defense that would struggle against any offenses. And right now they've played three teams who aren't great on offense, the Bucks, the Bengals, and the Steelers. And you know what? They've, they've shut them all down. They gave up 239 yards today. They kept their team in it when, despite all the turnovers. That is a big-time change from a year ago. And, you know, of course they're going to— why they're 3-0. Lo- right. It's why they're 3-0, and and it's why, you know, there's reason to believe they can stick around in this thing. They're neck and neck with the Packers for the most improved defense in the league. Mm. You're ter- not getting last year's James Conner right now at this point. Too. No, you're I, not. One thing I noticed, and I know the Steelers, and I, they've seen this in the, in the stretches where they haven't been dominant on defense this year. They got eaten up by the Niners' ground game towards the end of this thing. They were just running right up through the belly of Pittsburgh de- defense, and that well, was concerning to watch. Well, that's got to be because the offense couldn't control the clock at all, right? Not so at the all. defense yeah. is out there the whole game. And Conner had the turning point in, in the game after – the Niners turned it over the fifth and final time on another uh, fumble deep in Steelers territory. It looked like they, the Pittsburgh would have a chance to run out the clock or at least add on some um, insurance points, and Connor coughs it up, which mm. led to um, the final score. So, you know, Le'Veon Bell, that guy held on to the ball, and you miss him right now. The Steelers miss Well, they Le'Veon miss Antonio Bell. Brown, too, because Antonio you're not Brown. getting Smith-Schuster going off, you know, week after week. It's been the opposite. Well, I, I mean, the Big Ben's absence, I think, is going to put a cap on Smith-Schuster's ceiling. They're, I mean, they're on three, and that's it. They had to win this game, and they didn't win this game. Their offense hasn't looked good at any point, really, this year. They're pretty much done. And uh, that's it for that game. Let's keep moving. 
This could be the ball game. Ertz has got it back on fourth and 15. Looks, pumps once, looks, pressure comes from behind. Now he throws deep downfield. It is knocked away, incomplete. Big time defensive play by Rashawn Melvin on a pass intended for J.J. Arthago Whiteside. And the Lions will take over on downs. And this thing is over, baby. Execute three snaps and we out of here. <laughs> nice job, Dan Miller of Lions Radio Network. Although I must, I don't want to correct Dan, but I will say that it wasn't so much of a great defensive play by the defensive back, but a drop, another killer drop when you watch it on replay. Dan on Dan Crime. Uh, JJ Ortega Whiteside had the seventh and most crushing of drops for the Eagles on Sunday. Uh, he could not hold on to a, a beautifully, beautifully thrown Carson Wentz downfield pass. Would have put uh, the... Eagles first and goal essentially at the one yard line uh, in the final minute of the game. Instead, it was dropped, fourth down, game over. 27-24, the Lions beat the Eagles in, in Philly. So I, And I don't want to um, take anything away from the Lions uh, because they're undefeated. How about that? Uh, they, they gagged away week one into a tie, uh, but then they found a way to beat a Chargers team that shot itself in the foot. And the Eagles kind of did the same thing in this game, but there's there's something to be said for a team that finds a way to take advantage of other teams' mistakes, and that's what Matt Patricia's team has done so far this year. So that is my takeaway on the Lions right now, that I don't believe they are necessarily a good football team. And uh, in my power rankings exercise I do weekly, I got absolutely slaughtered by Lions fans for putting three NFC North teams in the top 10 and leaving the Lions out of the conversation. I'm not going to have them zooming into the top 10 this week either because I don't necessarily buy them. But credit where credit's due, you go to Philly and beat an undermanned Eagles team. Well, you got the win and you deserve some lollipop. I don't know if a team in the league has gotten not luckier, but more fortunate to play in a Chargers team last week and the Eagles this week about as banged up as they both could be. And the Eagles just simply don't have enough people on on the field right now. That said, and I hear you about not sticking them in the top 10 or anything, I love teams more than anything in September and October that change my long-standing perception of them. Now, they haven't entirely done that yet, the Lions, but they aren't boring. Get excited about the Lions, They aren't just handing away games. They, to me, have been the most boring team in the NFL (laughs) since I've worked here in over the past 10 years. And I'm not saying they're lighting up America at this point, but if you're Matt Patricia, to be 2-0-1 at this stage, things could be a lot worse. Yeah, they... Lighting up America. Here's the thing, though. When you start off, you know, maybe not lighting the world on fire, but you stack wins, they can get better, too. The Lions could be a much better team in December, especially defensively, than they are right now. I think they're a better team defense than they are in terms of individual stars. They're not really getting standout players, and the one thing that stands out to me is, I kind of like this Matthew Stafford better than the Jim Bob Cooter Matthew Stafford. This is the Matthew Stafford that's using his big arm to throw down the field. That's being a little more aggressive. Can fire it in there. Like we we liked we liked the Cooter. It, it helped him out for a little while. Ah. Those timing throws. But after a while, it's like you've got the biggest arm in the league. Let's see it. And we've seen it in the last few weeks. This is a show show your face team to me. The, the Lions. So they were dominant for three quarters in the opener against the Cardinals. Then gave up what twenty seven points. That's not good. And then Big against one. the Chargers, the Chargers are ro- they're rolling. And then two touchdowns get called back, a fumble at the goal line. They got the Lions got a lot of breaks in that game. Just a ton of kicks. 
and as Mark pointed out, the injuries to the opponent. And then this week they play a really injured Eagles team. I haven't seen this game yet, but I really want the Lions. Are they going to be consistent, consistently good or just taking advantage of well, bad teams? That's the NFL, and it's it's such a boring, It's kind of a boring point to make, but there's not that much separating most of these teams. The Broncos are not that far off from being 2-1. and one. So many of these teams, the Chargers and the Texans, who we'll talk about later, all three of each of their games has come down to the last possession, and it's just a couple little things sometimes. Well, and it's the same for the Eagles, who, uh, you know, the potential game-winning catch falls to the ground last week. Same thing happens today. You now have a short week and have to go play the Packers in Green Bay Ooh. on Thursday night. And this is a team, I thought the Eagles were going to start 5-1 and one or 6-0, and oh, and you're staring down 1-3 and three if you don't take care of business in a tough ask getting, in Green Bay. Yeah, they're getting killed with the timing here uh, because they, are, they lost more players. Jason Peters came out of this game with an Ooh. illness. The offensive line uh, was missing multiple players. The fact that they don't have Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson is showing up with all these drops. Carson Wentz. I, you love Carson I love Carson Wentz, and he played so great in this game. He, I loved how he played, even though he was imperfect last week uh, in the loss to the Falcons. He deserved a much better fate in this game, and I'll call attention um, when you fire up your game pass. Not your condensed anymore, Mark. It's now what? 40. Game in for it's, it's game in forty asterisk game in forty, <laughs> which you know it's a it's a wonderful product. I think it has given uh, some people a sense of liberty just to ex- you know to do a nice chunky 15, 20 seconds after the play ends. I like my editing on those games sparse and right down to the bone. I want those games to be about thirty one minutes. I got too much other stuff going on in my life to be spending forty plus minutes on these games. Do you? I mean, yes, there are other things I could be doing than watching, you know, some of these teams. I understand your frustration some, Especially about this. as some of these teams yeah. wander into watch list territory. Like, I'm going to bounce on you. Sorry. That reminds me, jump. though. How was Hustlers? We didn't get the official review on <laughs> Great the Great movie. Well, no, it was solid. It was solid. <laughs> well, he just blew up give it, give it a B. <laughs> give it a solid B-. minus. Yeah, that's not Oscar-worthy. Everyone's uh, buzzing about J-Lo's oh, abs- performance. Oh, not um, a chance. No, I like J-Lo in a lot, but Oscar-worthy. Right, no. Please. No, come on. There were multiple points in this game where the Eagles had a chance and it seemed like they were going to just take over. Uh, None more so than uh, late in the game, 153 to play. The Eagles um, block Matt Prater's 46-yard field goal try. They scoop it up. The Eagles do run it back to the 22 of the Lions. And and they're all set up. An illegal block on Jenkins pushes it back to midfield. It was a questionable illegal block. Check it out, Wes, on condensed and 40. Uh, a Darren Sproles fourth and five gets called back for OPI, and then of course Arthago Whiteside blows it. Uh, so the Eagles are in a tough way, and the Lions are undefeated as we will enter the last week of September. Who would have guessed it? I want to see an NFL game where the refs are not allowed to throw a single flag, but the players don't know that the refs aren't allowed to th- throw a flag. <laughs> they might figure it out <laughs> midway through the second quarter. I like this. Let's move on. This will be a 44-yard field goal, or actually 34-yard field goal to win the game for the My Papa. Pinion the holder. Snap, spot, kick on its way. And it's no good. He missed it. Way missed the kick. And the Giants win their first game of the season. Ba-papa. WFAN with the call. Matt Gay blew it. Two missed PATs and that chip shot field goal, allowing the Giants to escape with a 32-31 win over the Bucs. Uh, terrible loss to the Bucs. Great comeback for the Giants. And the star 
and the story of this game uh, is Danny Dimes. The rookie quarterback threw for 336 and two touchdowns, also ran for two touchdowns, including the go-ahead score with 116 to play. Giants came back from 18 down in this game. Wes, um, we've been waiting to see Danny Dimes play in games that matter. Well, we got it today. I thought he was impressive from the opening drive throughout. There was a bit of a lull. Uh, probably late second quarter where the Giants weren't doing much. The Bucks went ahead 28-10 to 10 at halftime. Mm. And then uh, Evan Engram, 75-yard touchdown on the first play of the second half. Uh, Daniel Jones has another 46-yard bomb, uh, I believe, on the next series that sets up another touchdown. And before you know it, it's a 28-25 game. And this came down to the end. Daniel Jones on that game, the go-ahead drive, just marching down the field, was decisive, confident, knew what to do, and then, you know, the the prairie land opened up on that touchdown run. I believe he's the first Giants quarterback ever with two rushing TDs and two passing TDs in a that game. true. He also led them to their biggest comeback since 1970. Wow. He's now 1-0 and trailing by 18 or more points. Eli Manning, this is not a knock on Eli, but 0-44 in those games. That's just how hard it is to come back from 18 down. We now live... Take your victory lap, Wes. It's a knock. Well, yeah, I, this is a nice world that we live in now where Wes has some palpable excitement about the New York Giants. It, well, I've never experienced this at all. From I, I would compare it to this. When I was going through chemotherapy and I couldn't hold anything down, there was one night where I was getting brave and I was like, Keisha's sleeping. I'm going to go try out some peanut butter crackers. Like, that's going <laughs> to be the best thing I've eaten in four months. I went to eat the peanut butter crackers and they were stale. It was like eating, you know, soft <laughs> plaster. That's what Eli Manning watching has been for three or four years, mm. eating stale crackers every single week. This time the crackers had mm. crack. And <laughs> crunch. Actual I, I thought you were gonna say that that you ate them and then you threw them up, and that was like watching Eli Manning. No, it's just the disappointment. It's like, yeah, of it's something Sunday. stale every single time. You know what it's gonna be. You see the like the suddenly the Giants have a quarterback who's not athletically limited to, and they kept mentioning what he can do that Eli can't. And we all know that Eli's an Iron Man and and someone that if you're a Giants fan, you love Eli Manning, the, the history of the guy. But they've needed this for so long and. Saquon Barkley was lost in this game to an ankle injury, and it I don't high know, ankle sprain, high ankle not sprain. good. And I mean they they thrived even without him. I thought that simply would not have happened a week ago. Go watch that Giants Bills game and look how limited that attack was. They thrived without Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Jones succeeded despite Shaq Barrett like launching an all-out campaign on Defensive Player of the Year. This guy has eight sacks in three games. What? Three sacks last week. I think he was defensive player of the week. They got to give it to him again this week because he had four in this back game. Back. Oh my two forced fumbles. And I think if that's the one thing Giants fans probably are a little bit – actually, they don't even care because they're riding high right now. But the one thing people were worried about in the preseason was the ball security for Daniel Jones. And one of the one of the fumbles was definitely on him being too casual in the pocket. So he had two. The other one was Shaq Barrett just doing Shaq Barrett things. It doesn't get any brutal uh, of a loss for the Buccaneers in this. To lose a 28-10 to 10 lead is bad enough, but then to lose it and then to watch Jameis Winston throw a 55-yarder down the field puts you inside the 10-yard line and you think you want it again and then to lose it, that's like losing it twice. That is brutal. And well, yeah, this it, is the crazy thing. Arians takes a five-yard uh, delay of game penalty to back up his kicker 
who had missed the extra points earlier, Matt Gay, um, and here was his explanation why he did that prior to the game-ending miss. Bruce, what happened at the end there when you got the five-yard penalty? Delay? What happened there? I just took it on purpose. You took it on purpose? Yeah, I want the field. He's better back. That field goal is easier back five yards. No, no sense hurrying. We wanted to move the ball over, put it in the middle, and uh, and make it an easy field goal. Yeah, I mean, get, Matt Gay, get out of the building. You you cannot miss that kick. It's it. I and everyone who listens to this podcast. I'm always team kicker, and I I defend these guys, and I don't think kickers get enough credit for how hard their job is. But sometimes. You just got to make the kick because so many people are affected by you on that miss. Bruce Arians on the sideline, Jameis Winston on the sideline. It totally changes the course of their season potentially because you can't hit a 34-yarder. And if your coach thinks that he needs to do things like take penalties to make you more comfortable, you're not the guy. You shouldn't be the kicker in the first place. I'd like to see the data on five yards further back being an easier kick. My, yeah, I totally. It's pretty brutal because he did make four kicks in that game. I, the thing is, though, Bruce Arians is a savvy guy, and I appreciate, in general, his brutal honesty when asked all sorts of typical softball-type questions. But when you say this, and we're all here mystified by the strategy to create a longer attempt for your kicker who is not exactly, you know, Martin Gramatica times 1,000, if that was even a good kicker. <laughs> no, kicker that came to he name. really wasn't great. All right. Well, if you multiplied him by 1,000, he would be the greatest be a kicker powerful that ever kicker. lived. It'd be a lot of celebration. Said, yeah. said by 1,000. But, yeah. I mean, why put those words out there for us to dissect and everyone to dissect all week long after a totally brutal, painful loss? Is that honestly what Arians was thinking by taking that penalty. I, I guess you take Must the good with the bad Must with him. Been. He's going to tell you what's on his mind. And and what I'm a good example of what I'm saying, like on this very show Thursday, Mark, I think it was you who was saying, is this what you know Bruce Arians came back for to, to hope that Todd Bowles' defense is going to take you? Well, here's a game where Winston throws her 380 yards and three touchdowns and connects with Mike Evans on this huge clutch play that should have set the season on a different course in the kicker. After play. a great win over the Panthers. That's completely lost. That feels like a thousand years Killer. old at this point. This will get lost in the Daniel Jones hoopla, but you will not see a more lopsided receiver versus cornerback matchup probably all year than Mike Evans just taking the soul of Jack Rabbit Jenkins over mm. and over and over again throughout this game. It was like Craig Elo trying to guard Michael Jordan. <laughs> That's Jack Rabbit. Well. <laughs> yeah, maybe no more talking, Jack Rabbit. All right, before we move on, I got to hear that. Oh, yeah. That Bucks call of the Matt Gay miss. Let's hear it. It comes down to a rookie kicker wearing green and yellow shoes. Oh, Gene Deckerhoff. Right between the hash marks. He deserved better. From the 24, a 34-yard field goal. The spot down, kick is airborne, it's long enough, long enough, it is, it is, no good, and the Giants win by one, 32-31. What a pro, Decker office. He, he yeah. sounded suspicious of those shoes to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, check in uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Snap is back and the kick is away. It's a high punt, but short. Harris fields it at the 48, makes two miss, he's off to the races, the 40, the 35, the 30. Deontay Harris into the end zone. No flags on the field, and the Saints strike first on special teams. Deontay Harris took the punt back 53 yards to the house. The first punt returned for a touchdown all year. Who ever heard of such a How weird. Teddy Bridgewater threw two touchdown passes in his first start in place of Drew Brees, and the Saints 
beat the Seahawks 33-27 to in a game that really wasn't that close, Greg. This was uh, a game that uh, the Saints showed up, balled out. Seattle got a late touchdown, but good start all around for uh, the Saints here. A very strange game where the Seahawks dominated in the first half, but it was kind of an everything that can go wrong did go wrong for the Seahawks. They give up the punt return touchdown. They have the fumble return touchdown on a Chris Carson fumble that goes back. So the Saints put up 14 points without doing anything on offense. Their punters having a great game, you know, pinning the Seahawks way back. Russell Wilson's 14 for 15 for 150 yards and a touchdown, and they're down 27 to 7 at the time. So on one hand, yeah, it's a a lot of bad luck. On the other hand, when the Saints came out after halftime, that was their best stretch of the game offensively and defensively. They put the game away, and, you know, for all the talk of, you know, running backs, you know, don't make that big of a difference. I mean, it was a huge difference in this game. Chris Carson slipped and fell three different times in the first half, and he lost a fumble return for a touchdown. Meanwhile, Alvin Kamara, I asked on the Thursday show, let's see an MVP-type performance. And this that this was exactly that. I think he had 161 yards uh, from scrimmage. The rest of the team had 104. And so many of those wow. yards were in the passing game, breaking tackles uh, after he was hit very hard, including by Jadevian Clowney. When you can run through Jadevian Clowney, you're something special. A huge win for the Saints. I, I, I realize the game is not as close as the score, but there was a sequence at the end of the first half where the Seahawks had about 33 seconds to play with and decided not to take a timeout as they were aiming to score, I believe. And Wilson hit DK Metcalf on a 54-yarder that would have put them in position for at least a field goal, if not more. And time just ran out because Pete Carroll, one of the smartest coaches we've ever watched coach football, did not take a timeout. That Tony two- Romo was killing him, and I thought he was right to. Yeah, he had two timeouts. It was a rough day for Pete. He got hit in the face oh my with God. the football before sure. the game. Stitches. It, yeah, it left a pretty big mark uh, on his nose. They went for it on fourth down three different times. Uh, so credit to him for being aggressive. But the Saints' run defense, and we've talked about their defensive line, stepped up in all those scenarios, uh, and then they stopped a, a pass that I believe Russell Wilson audibled into with another one. So that was three other times that they were stopped on fourth down. And it kind of like a resourceful win that you'd like to see if out of a good organization on the road when you really need it. And that's yeah. yeah go ahead. Russ. I was going to say, you know, Greg made the point Thursday that this is the kind of challenge that Sean Payton really loves and he digs his teeth into. And that's great. They won the game because they played as a team and special teams really matter. But to me, I'm looking back to the end of last year and still, th- their offense doesn't work unless Alvin Kamara is taking over the game and being the best player on the field. Do you feel, Greg, any better about their offense after today? No. I mean, they didn't have a play over 20 yards. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who went 19 for 27, 177 and 2, didn't. I don't know if he threw a pass over 10 yards. I don't remember it. Like, I mean, there there were some catch and runs. He didn't really need to. They, they had five offensive penalties in the first half that were not on him. So it certainly wasn't uh, on him that, that they struggled throughout that first half. But it, there were, he looked like the same guy that we've seen it's, the last couple of games. It's still early, and that was only that was really his first real start. And there was almost no Taysom Hill. There was less Taysom Hill than usual. I wondered about that. That was that Sean Payton uh, probably thumbing his nose at people. But, like, <laughs> they got to keep him healthy. That was the first... Bridgewater start, and he's going to have several more because he, Drew Brees just had uh, surgery, of course. Um, but I wonder if we're starting to get an idea of, of the Teddy Bridgewater experience where his ceiling is, that he's not going to be a dynamic guy. He's 
a hold the fort guy all the way um, because he it doesn't seem like he's a dynamic type player. Well, the, he's only got to start, let's say, six games. He just won one on the road in Seattle. If he can win three, if they can win three of those job. games, while, just get back to while Brees. he's gone, right? And and it's his teammates that really stepped up for him. His defense making huge plays in, in Kamara. I, mean, I want to go watch it, but I thought the concern last week was that when Bridgewater was on the field, Kamara dried up entirely. The whole offense lost any sort of dynamic traits, and not the case today. Although as much it, as much. I mean, the crazy thing is they had, I think, one of the bottom five yardage games in Sean Payton's uh, career last week. And they had less yardage this wow. week. They're, so it was just, a different team. It was right a cra- it was a crazy. Well, game. maybe what I just said sounds completely erroneous. I don't count them out of any game. I, I just think that they'll find ways to be competitive. And I think a lot of people, myself included, who said, oh, they're, you know, they're going to be kind of just another team until Breeze comes back and the South is wide open. This was a nice little Sean Payton game, as you and, said. And, like, you it, know, and, I, I'm still And, and you've got the Bucks shooting themselves in Matt Gay's foot. Extremely rare, too. Pete Carroll never lost a September home game. 15-0 and 0 until today. Wouldn't it be Matt Gay shooting the Bucks in the foot? <laughs> I mean, someone's foot was damaged. This was also almost the first two-score loss in the Russell Wilson era at home. Wow! But he just he, Did you, snu- he snuck it out by hitting, that was such hitting a, a touchdown Wilson as. Uh, I mean, the Bengals almost beat Seattle. Time expired. Seattle. Go Hawks! Seattle had been fifteen and zero at home in September since two thousand ten. Did you say that? I did. But well, I wanted to repeat it. It's a fun little. It's a good nug. Give nice our research nug. department some credit. They're Let's great. move. Dan did that himself. He came up with that study. <laughs> I've been tracking every one of their September home games <laughs> since I started this company. Kaim Hines into the game. They fake a screen to him. Brissett throws wide open to the end zone. Zach Pascal. Touchdown. Seattle had been 15-0 and at home in September since 2010. For Zach Pascal in the end zone. And the Colts now lead it 9 nothing with a minute 25 to go in the first quarter. Matt Taylor, Colts Radio Network with the call. Jacoby Brissett completed his first 16 passes, threw for two touchdowns in the first half, including that connection to Zachary Pascal, leading the Colts to a 27-24 win over the Falcons at LOS. Lucas Oil Stadium. Well done. Jake Brisket led four straight scoring drives, didn't have a turnover, closed out the game with a big completion to Jack Doyle. It's good to have some quarterback depth, Greg Rosenthal. That's right. It's good to have a coach that doesn't coach scared. Andy Reid and his uh, former disciple, or not, Frank Reich. I guess it's sort of, they're in the same coaching tree. Both called third down passes where they could have called runs with under two minutes left in the fourth quarters of their games, which would have given the ball back to the other team and forced them to you know go the whole length of the mm-hmm. field. But you know what they did? They called passes. They trusted in the play call. And Jack Doyle got the big first down. T.Y. Hilton left at halftime. I mean, Jacoby Brissett got the ball at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth. He needed to score both times or keep the ball both times he had the ball because the Colts defense wasn't stopping anyone. The Falcons scored touchdowns on every second half possession. And you know what Jake Brisket does in the fourth quarter? He scores touchdowns and he delivers clutch drives every week, three for three. He's a pretty good quarterback. He's not a star. He's not really even the, the key to this team, but he's, he's part of what I think is kind of a team that's coalescing pretty well. But you know what he is? He's better than a hold the fort guy. Yes. He's like right around the Dalton line, right? Or even maybe on the right side of it. I think his contract, that extension they gave him, tells you he's better than a hold the fort guy. Hold the fort guys get like five to seven million a year. He got 15. I mean, when, he, when we last got 
our sample size with him and with the Colts, it was when their offensive line was not what it is now, and it's in a better environment than he was before. That for some reason the Colts kind of remind me of the Eagles a little bit, where you know they're going to get banged up and lose players, but the ship doesn't entirely sink because they're well coached. Their front office is extremely sound, and they've added depth. This team, this Colts team, had no depth under the previous front office. They have it all over the place now. They've got infrastructure. When these two teams play, though. I mean, it's one-sided. There's no more. There's no rivalry in the history of the NFL more one-sided than Colts-Falcons. I mean, Falcons fans, don't even show up. Don't even watch the game For when real? you play the Colts. People have been talking about the Colts-Falcons rivalry for decades. I mean, 15 it, wins, two losses. It doesn't get more one-sided than that. Atlanta, fix what you're doing. Yeah, that's that's like once every four years. So that's, that's and you know this is one of the most random. Matt Ryan, ever. 29 of 34, 304, three touchdowns, one interception, passer rating of 121. That all looks great, but, but I mean, I just feel like it's the same thing now. It was a strange the, game. The, the, Falcons, the Falcons only got six possessions. I'm going to ask our research six? department what? if that's a record. There was one one play kneel down at the end of the first half. They would, if you're not counting that, they only had six possessions, and he threw a red zone it's interception a in one of them. Other than that, you're not they, tracking this. Dan, they played pretty great here? on offense. I mean, they scored Focus three Seattle straight touchdowns. Games. Devontae Freeman ran well. I can't really fault Matt Ryan here. They lost Keanu Neal. They're Strong safety for the second straight year. Uh, Achilles tear. It looks like he's out for the year. I don't like the energy around this, this Falcons operation right now. There is. There is something going on here. Right, I'm with you. The dark and, spiritual force. I, don't know. I think it's on. Dan, that's where Dan Quinn's defense needs to make a stop at the end of the game. His offense is putting up touchdown after touchdown, and they're giving up drives to Zach Pascal and Marlon Mack and Mo Ali Cox. Those were the three guys. All right, let's check in, Mark. The Browns just fell behind. So far, you've been a, a total pro uh, throughout the broadcast. Does it change now? No, I'll continue to operate Very as good. an absolute pro and show absolutely impressive. no emotion at all. Okay, it, but, but in a studio that's now up to 98 degrees. That's but, much higher on my list. Of without a Nick Lachey. Right. To be found. I'll ask the question, though, the listeners are, are wondering. Did you go to Hustlers alone? <laughs> or did did Simone come? Or no, this was on our our Friday is typically our day to do what we do, and I went to see it on my own because I didn't think Stella. that was a movie that Simone was going to be so opening extremely night. into opening day, Hustlers, opening day, yeah. first day. So I like going release. to the movies early because I don't like hearing other people eat in the movie theater. So I'll typically go to like a 11 a.m. show and sit way up front, not near any other human, because when I can hear someone eating popcorn. During a movie, I cannot concentrate at all. It throws me completely out of my element. Interesting. Let's move on. <laughs> That's a new one. Thielen left, Adam is slot left, digs soul alone to the right. On first down play action, Cousins bootlegs out to the left, plants the foot. Fires deep right, man there caught. Thielen, five, touchdown! 35-yard touchdown, Cousins, Adam Thielen, and it's 6-0 Minnesota. Paul Allen. Oh, he's one of the zero truthers. Jaunty. Matt Money Smith, who I do the power ranking show on NFL.com, he always says zero. He never says six nothing. It's always zero. And it stops me in my tracks every time. Bupkis. Zots. Goose egg. So, Kirk Cousins bounced back from his woeful performance last week in Green Bay, playing turnover free football. Threw that touchdown pass to Adam Thielen. It was his only touchdown pass of the day. An easy 34-14 win over the Raiders. Dalvin Cook over 100 yards for the third straight week. The Vikings 2-1 now. Wes, uh, a home game against the Silver and Black. Just what the doctor ordered. 
Yeah, we sort of referred to this on Thursday as the recipe for Kirk Cousins' success. Uh, home game, check. Nailed it. Inferior opponent, check. Nailed it. Not a nationally televised game. Nobody's watching. Check. Three for three, <laughs> Vikings. Nobody. This had a lot of – seemed like the same DNA from the season opener against the Falcons where the Vikings jump out to an early lead, run the ball down their opponent's throat, and don't rely too much on Kirk Cousins. Mm. Dalvin Cook, once again, the focal point of this team. And if there was an all-pro list for September, he would be the running back on it. You could do that. That, that sounds, sounds like a like wrestling work. assimilment. You'll do I'm it. Happy at, to talk about it on the podcast. You'll do it at halftime. Halftime. It through eight weeks. It's amazing. Wes, you've been assigned to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Monday, 9 a.m. When they give Alexander Madison the ball, they look pretty good running the ball too. They're just he's a, a big good boy. Running, they're a great running team. When you can bring him in as a back, they're very close to three and zero. Oh if they get three and zero, excuse me, if they could execute against Green Bay better, um, I think the Vikings are okay. But I don't know if it'd be zero in the context of a see, record. I don't know because it's, it's a score. Thing. It makes sense. The whole thing. But Wes, you so nailed it with the Kirk Cousins thing. If those things line up, he will never lose a game. He never has lost a game, and he never will. <laughs> The problem is the way sports and the NFL are set up is that the deeper you go into the season, you lose those elements. He's sort of like slightly better than Andy Dalton. Right. I think that's where he's always been. And you made a good point the other day where there's the people who are anti-cousins. and you. Greg's pointing at me. And Wes, sorry. that uh, You know, it, people crow when he has a bad game, and then the, the defenders start crowing when he has a good game. I think he has been in that same area the whole time about quarterback 11 through 13. Depends who other, what other quarterbacks are around. Now there's more good young players that well, ask them. That's just who he is. That's where you know, he is. You're right, but I, I heard you know in all the write-ups and stuff that this was a good Kirk Cousins performance you know, and, and reason for encouragement, and he threw for 174 yards. Dan, you once had Well, they had didn't a, need him. Well, no, and that's, this is a Mike Zimmer fever dream where you're just right. going to run the ball 200 times. And But that, like we're talking about situations where Cousins is going to be put into one of those games where all those boxes aren't checked before the kickoff happens. That The same thing with Mike Zimmer wanting to run the ball 30 times and do nothing through the air. Good luck. You're going to win a couple games that way, especially at home when you play as well as you do in that situation. But that's not how you get through a season in 2019. I, I, I'd be concerned. I want to give our listener Mighty Gazelle credit for phrasing the Kirk Cousins recap from Thursday so well. Well done. I, and one question about the – do you see any scenario where, like the guy, nice person, where Derek Carr is the quarterback for this Raiders team next September? This experience feels like it's going south. He's, Absolutely. Didn't he buy a house right next door to his head coach? Absolutely. I do not. I don't, I'm disappointed that the Raiders couldn't be competitive and that their defense just – because that means if we're watching a, a season worth of them not being competitive, that's just making my our Sundays worse. Vontez Burfitt got injured today after he tried to punch somebody after the play. I don't mm-hmm. think the officials saw the attempted punch. Oh, but the league will. Yeah, he might get a FedEx envelope, but he's he's got like his own deposit box for FedEx right outside his front door. <laughs> I feel like I've been told that Vontaze Perfect has been injured about 47 times in the first three weeks of the season. They just like yeah. built a FedEx Kinko's next to his house to save the time. <laughs> I think he just moved next door to the fine police. Uh, let's move on. High backs, Arma offset to the right. Tight line splits. Olsen in the backfield. The block for McCaffrey right up the middle, running free to the 35, the 40. He's got potential. McCaffrey, 30, 20. He will score. 10, 5. A lightning bolt. Christian McCaffrey. Mick Mixon, Panthers Radio Network. 
Christian McCaffrey ripped off a 76-yard touchdown run. Kyle Allen throws four touchdowns in his first start in place of the injured Cam Newton. Panthers cruise 38-20 over the Cardinals in Glendale. Mark, this was a best-case scenario for Carolina, who just wanted to survive without their injured former MVP. Instead, they thrived with Allen. What an encouraging performance on a day where we got a couple quarterbacks in their first starts changing the way we feel about certain teams. I love that Kyle Allen came out. He was aggressive from the start. He seemed, you know, it was, it was, you could tell right away that he was just feeling good. He was in the zone. He was kind of laughing on the sideline. Didn't have uh, that sort of nervous energy that you might expect from someone. And I know he played well in week 17 last year, but that I just wanted to see here, you know, on the road, how does he come out and do it? And they, they had more life and energy to their passing game than they have all year. And he was hitting throws that Cam Newton was not hitting in the past couple weeks. And that it's funny that they the Christian McCaffrey, that was one of those, it was a touchdown that was not because of Kyle Allen, but he made two or three throws in this game that were total money tosses. And I, I, I enjoyed watching him. And I don't think you can count them out because he's a quarterback on any level at this point. I mean, you got to go out and do it a couple weeks in a row. But there was something, nothing about his game that seemed like, crippling limited to me at all it was the opposite it sounds like it was so impressive that not only will you not rush cam newton back but you will make sure he's 100 percent when he comes back i think because you know what we don't know what this team is there's no reason in general to rush cam newton back after all the stuff he's been through the last couple of years i just would wait it's a perfect and, scenario the way today yeah. played out they have that um ability now to be patient they were. This was classic corner, cornered animal action right here. Mm, yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. They saved their season. An zero and three Panthers team would have a lot of whispers about where the coach is going to be the next year, whether Cam Newton's even going to be on this team next year, all that stuff. And you've you've put all that off for another week or two. I'm a little confused, Dan. Mm. There's a caged animal and yes. a cornered dog. Are those two different kinds of games? Uh, you could put it whatever animal you want. Gotcha. Um, uh, I love dogs, so I don't even like the image of imagining the dog cornered. Gotcha. But okay. uh, cornered animal or caged animal works. Gotcha. Yeah, this is a step back too. It sounds like for for Kyler Murray, 248 yards of offense from the the Cardinals in 73 plays. So they ran a, a ton of plays and didn't move the ball at all. Well, and I and Don, we, I should mention Dante Jackson, who had two spectacular interceptions in this game, and it was some of the first action where I watched Kyler Murray, who I wouldn't say he was confused out on the field, but he threw a couple terrible balls and Carolina turned two of those into those interceptions. He's not tearing the league up. That was kind of the, although it would have been a surprise to because it doesn't happen often. There was that hype around Murray that he would come in and Kingsbury would come in and they'd be, you know, ripping people up. That's not happening right now. So now the Cardinals have to do, uh, be what they weren't last year, which is patient. They, and and let this develop as a partnership uh, because it looks like, like Greg said, 4.0 yards per attempt on 43 passes. This is the That's defense. The we, zone. This is the defense we expect to see the, the, from week one on. Yes, the it defense was. actually had been a little yes. bit better for Arizona than we expected. This was what we expected. All right, let's move on. Chargers at the Houston 34. Rivers, shotgun. Rivers, deep drop, firing downfield, and tipped, and almost intercepted. It's incomplete, and the Texans are going to win it. They will beat the Chargers today. Mark Vandermeer of the Texans Radio Network. Oh, I love this song. The Texans stopped the Chargers in their last gasp attempt to tie the game. Deshaun Watson threw for 351. 
threw three touchdown passes. And J.J. Watt, there he is, heating up two of the, the five sacks for the Texans and a 27-20 win over the Chargers. Who watched this game? I did. Greg Rosenthal, Deshaun Watson, every game does athletic things. And once again, he was on fire. It's the Dow of Deshaun. You All right, let's let's yeah. let this breathe. All right, the Dow of Deshaun. Yeah, you have to be comfortable in the chaos. You are going to invite pass rushers. You're going to invite hits. That's just his style. Mm-hmm. And all the things you like about Deshaun Watson are because of that. And in this game especially, he held on to the ball pretty long because his offensive line played better. And that the game-winning touchdown and, and the comeback were from those second-level plays where he just does something. He, he can be comfortable with that. And I think the fans have to be comfortable with that too, with him getting hit more and taking sacks because that's where he makes his magic. He's won me over. You buying it? I'm, I'm on Dan's side of the Texans ledger. Deshaun Watson has won me over. He's just so exciting. These two teams, yeah, I, Wes. I have a hard time getting a feel for right now. Both of these teams have played to the buzzer basically in all three of their games, so they could each be three and zero. They could each be zero and three. But I think there are some things about the Texans that we can say. Whitney Merciless, another big game. DJ Reader has made the leap. He was a big difference maker today. And the offensive line, I think, has a chance to get better. It certainly was better today, and I think that's that's a big thing. How about some switches? How about Tunsil? Is he how, how did he look today? He, Bosa and Melvin Ingram, who have been relatively quiet this year, were relatively quiet once again. Wes, you joining the Texans uh, bandwagon. Well, I w- I'm not there yet. I'm just, is, I, I'm I just hear going it. to enjoy Deshaun Watson. I mean, Watson. I love Deshaun Watson. I'm in on that. No, you're, I'm going to cornering say, me out. I'm going <laughs> to, you're cornered out. Well, the Titans, <laughs> I've loved him from the beginning. The I, Titans lost me and may have lost me forever. That's good. That's also positive. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to do as a favor to you? Uh, you're in this Devin Sawa final destination roller coaster ride with the Denver Broncos. Nobody knows what that means. I'm yeah. letting you off the ride. No, I, I, I thank you for that. That's, You're that's off. very magnanimous of you, but I, I I can't let myself out of the penalty box yet. I haven't wow. suffered enough. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. That, you definitely were raised Catholic. Um, <laughs> by the way, there's definitely 47 people who get that Devin Sawa reference. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. a few people do. 47 I do. to 50 people. I do. Underrated movie. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's head to Sunday Night Football. Fourth down and goal from the five. This is week three. Mayfield flush in the pocket, rolling right, throws to the end zone. It is intercepted. The Rams take it away on the final snap for the Browns offense. It's John Johnson with a diving pick in the end zone. And the Rams are going to come home at 3-0. and Westchester's finest, J.B. Long of the Rams Radio Network with the call. John Johnson, the third, with the interception in the end zone on fourth and goal. The Browns go four and out with four shots to potentially tie the game. And that was it. The Los Angeles Rams, 20-13 to victors in Cleveland in Sunday night football. They improve to 3-0. The Brownies fall to 1-2. Mark Sessler, should start with you on this one. Um, we're going to get to the Rams in a moment, but you had trepidation around this game all week. You've had trepidation around the Browns since their week one clunker against Tennessee. I imagine you don't feel any better right now. Writer's block. That's sort of how this team feels to me right now. When you're trying to produce something and you can't 
get in that flow and you can't get out of your own way. Um, or a relationship stuck in neutral where the just mm. there's something about this team, uh, offensively especially, because I thought they played a lights-out game on defense considering how banged up their secondary is. This has been the whole season, and, I, and I'm concerned like at the core about a line that has not protected Baker Mayfield well, but even when they are, it feels like Baker Mayfield has almost been zapped by the early season experience of playing behind this line. And, and it's it's hard to watch because last year, a team playing with house money down the stretch felt so loose on offense that you felt like they could do anything. I wanted them to go play the best teams they could and challenge those teams with what they had with Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield and even pre-Odell Beckham, just the rest of their weapons. And they are banged up, but I don't really point to any of that as what's going on here. I, I think they just, it's, I, I'm at a loss for words to some degree because yes, I don't think it's a surprise to see how they performed on offense tonight. It's been happening all year. I don't know the way out. I don't. I like your analogies and, and you might also say kind of like a kicker compensating for his last two misses where it's stilted and it feels like they're thinking about it, think hesitant in pressure situations and Baker Mayfield not trusting his offensive line. And as Greg said when we were watching the game, he's actually scrambling into pressure, not away from pressure. I mean, the last play of the game was emblematic. That Not that they did a good job project, protecting him, just that the game ended with him rolling back to his right and just throwing it up. Because he's counting on improvising some plays. And some of the plays that were there, you can nitpick, but it, it sure looked like Jarvis Landry was basically wide open on the third down slant. He, he goes to another, he goes to the tight end on that play instead. And it's just those little decisions. At some point you have to trust, you're right, that for now, this is what this team is. The Rams are very similar. They've kind of looked the same each week where their offensive line isn't playing as well, but that they get it going in the second half and that the defense has been playing uh, really well. And that's the difference between 3-0 and and 1-2. and The Browns offensive line continues to be an issue. Aaron Donald, Clay Matthews, the whole front seven was getting after Mayfield, who, like we said, didn't handle that well either. And the play calling is definitely something you're going to hear a lot about uh, in the hours and days ahead around the Browns. Uh, most famously in this game, or infamously, I should say, uh, was the fourth quarter, fourth and nine near midfield uh, draw call that got snuffed out after about a five or six yard gain. Uh, everyone confused. There was a, you know, Twitter was a buzz afterwards. Uh, ESPN's tracking data. That's the first uh, fourth and nine running play uh, that they've tracked in over 20 years. And just a head scratcher. And after the game, uh, Freddie Kitchens, he took ownership of it, but also said it was the play he wanted to call. So you figure out that. And then again, they get the big interception, Cleveland, of Jared Goff, who throws high and a pick. Uh, and Baker Mayfield, despite not looking comfortable, does get them down inside the 10 after uh, some completions and also a roughing the passer call on Aaron Donald. And then on those four straight plays, four passes, Odell Beckham not targeted once. He was brought here, Wes, to be a missing final piece guy in that offense, and he had that one big play against the Jets last week. But in general, this offense has not been able to take flight. I think football is so much more complicated than everybody sitting at home wants to admit it is. But sometimes when you have the best athlete on the field, you just have to take a chance and, and throw it up in, in his direction and let him make, make a play when nothing else is going right. I mean, if you look at that Jets game – 
you, everyone wanted to stream the highlights of Odell Beckham with the 89-yard touchdown, but they were struggling to get him open and make him productive in that game too, despite the final score, the final line for him. Hmm. I, I really think the Rams' defense is doing a lot of the carrying on this team, and they are much better than last year. Clay Matthews already has more sacks than he had last year. Dante Fowler has been a regular behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Mark pointed out during the game, Corey Littleton has been one of the best linebackers in the NFL this year. Weddle adds a lot. Taylor Rapp is a hit as a second-round pick. They they are a better de- – I think Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib are playing better. And to Cleveland's credit on defense, they entered this game missing all four of their starting defensive backs, and they put up a real good fight. I mean, the Rams warmed up as things went along. They actually ended up with two 100-yard receivers in Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup, who had a huge game, two touchdowns over 100 yards. But uh, the Rams had, what, three points at halftime? I mean, yeah. that that is a, it's a pretty incredible to, incredible to me if you would have told me that after everything we heard about the injury issues that they would get the job done uh, going into the second half and the offense just not able to figure it out. That's, to me, one of the biggest stories of the young season right now is how disappointing the Browns have been on an offense. Hmm. I mean, and it's the the problem is because it's, you know, the pressure is going to get amped up. They are days away from having to go deal with the Ravens, who are a far superior team playing in sync right now. And, you know, I, I total respect to the Rams because in in the early year that they've been in here, they're 3-0 and and they knocked off Carolina on the road. That was a tough game. It's not, that was not an easy ask. And to go and do it tonight, I mean, it's, the Rams have to be respected entirely. Well, Freddie Kitchens is getting a lot of grief about being in and over his head. And I feel like that's maybe projecting what he looks like or just they have made some curious decisions. Or his experience. Certainly, and lack of experience. That said, good coaching is about adjusting. You're three games into the season. What's not? It's obvious it's not working right now. He needs to figure out how to adjust whatever yeah. he came into the season planning to do. And it's a new experience for him because, yeah, he was, he was the guy calling the plays at the end of last year. But he wasn't the head coach at the end of last year. That no. is a big difference. And the, the guy who's not calling the plays was one of the best play callers in the NFL last year. And he was the guy dialing up Fitz Magic early last season, mm-hmm. Todd Monken. Uh, Mark, it's not all bad. You locked up your Rammies. Yeah, I you're know. part of the family. I'm, I'm hey. sure the city of Cleveland can feel great about that. All right, I just situation. have like a couple questions. Well, how long have you lived in Cleveland ever in your life? Like total? Not how, a resident. How many times have you ever spent there? Even I mean, I've I've been there a number of times. But total I mean, number I of hours. I never city I never walk around saying, "Look at me, Cleveland resident." I'm just saying, yeah. how many years have you now lived in LA? Oh, I've been lived in LA for 15 years. The Ramley, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they're calling you home. They're I feel no ac- attraction to applications. The Rams at all, they locked it up for you. Just Today to was your official entry into the Ramley. <laughs> I mean, I feel no passion around that at all. I mean, you're a big movie guy. It all sort of makes sense. Yeah, but that know? has nothing to do with the Rams. You're a big, you're a big Tinseltown guy. Hustlers. Yeah. Nothing to do with the Rams. They, I mean, nice try, guys. Hollywood's team. Nice try. All right, Mark. Nice well, you attempt. were a good sport, and you, you did not go crazy in the studio, and you were hyper-professional, and uh, on behalf of the entire crew, both in front of and behind the glass, we thank you for that. I'm not surprised that I acted like a pro. It's good. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back on Tuesday uh, with our uh, Monday night football recap, and then we start spinning and looking ahead to, guess what, guys? Week four, the train is out the station, and it's rolling. Can almost smell London just a couple weeks it's like away. like eons left. There are absolute ages. And left. the heroes are going to London in a couple weeks. We can't wait for that, and we'll have more information on that trip. Uh, but that will come down the line. All right, Ricky. 
Let's get out of here. You're happy Antonio Brown's not with you anymore. I'm so thrilled. Dan Hansen yeah. signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss, Ricky Holly, Hollywood, Ryan Bartlett, everybody else. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com you know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.